Welcome to Signs of the Times, a look at recent world events from around our kitchen table. It's the end of August, and the last time we felt like this and the world was in this shape, it was several weeks before the events of September 11, 2001. George Bush was at his Texas ranch, specially purchased as a prop for his new presidency. The American people were running after his limousine and chucking things at it. And Bush's popularity was almost as bad as it is today. Which makes you wonder, what do they have in store for us now? Looking back at August 2001, it almost looks as if Bush was shunted out of Washington because there was important business to be taken care of by the people who really pulled the strings of power. And he was sent uh, off to have a little R&R at his ranch. Lots of naps. Lots of naps. Lots of bicycles. Driving his giant pickup around. So we look at what's going on and their eerie similarities to recent weeks with with what happened prior to, to 9-11. And... Indeed, Bush's popularity and his low his low ratings and the lull um, in activity at the time, uh, just to make the point clear, seemed to have necessitated something to push his ratings back up. Uh, that something at the time, obviously, was 9-11, uh, after which his, his popularity did spike again, according to the, the polls. Um, we ran a graphic the, a couple of days ago on the science page that illustrated that beautifully, where you saw, you know, neatly graphed out his poll results, and then he saw the, you know, which were down around 40%, below 40% approval, that then shot way up to over 80%, close to 90% after the events of 9-11, when he did his remarkable transformation from frat boy idiot to commander-in-chief. Indeed, it seems that this president uh, has a very hard time maintaining the popularity, or maintaining his popularity among uh, the, the U.S. population. Um, after 9-11, or at 9-11, his popularity soared in the polls. Then there was a steady decline um, to just before the Iraq war when, you know, so he had he decided that he needed to have a, or they, the, the policymakers in the U.S. decided that they needed to have a, a war to boost his, his ratings again, and indeed the ratings shot up just at the time that the war was announced. Um, then after Iraq, after the war started, his popularity started to slump again until the election uh, in 2004, when you had this um, debate, this massive debate in the news over um, who who was the best president or who was the best choice to be president, and that that helped to push his ratings back up again. And then since then, they have headed south again in a pretty drastic way until, as we're saying, until today, when there's a serious lull. Not much seems to be happening, happening, but that's um, that's just on the surface. We suspect. And his ratings really are, by 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 all accounts, I think thirty thirty six percent of the, the U.S. population actually approves of him as their president. We have to wonder what they're going to do this time to push his ratings back up again. And of course, we we look at the polls and Bush's popularity, and obviously, when all these events have transpired, they've pushed his ratings sky high. Uh, but certainly we don't think that the only reason that all this has transpired is only to push up his ratings. And, in fact, it's the decline uh, shown in the chart that we had on uh, the science page recently is especially interesting because despite all these things that have been done and despite all these spikes, it has continued to 
steadily declined if you look at the graph. So what we see happening in the United States is a growing division between the supporters of Bush and the people who are against him. We've seen in August a revitalized anti-war movement beginning to form around Cindy Sheehan and her quest to get a second meeting with the president. So you have to wonder what's going to happen as the American population gets divided and the positions get more and more polarized. The Yeah, the interesting thing about this Cindy Sheehan story is that a lot of commentators have been making the point that um, or are questioning why Bush didn't simply go out and, and meet her, uh, why he didn't just you know drive down there in his pickup, um, you know, go for a little drive or take her back to the ranch or whatever, and have a have a twenty minute conversation with her, uh, because this would have would have essentially constituted a real coup for him. You know what I mean? Um, it would have silenced all of his critics. But he they have allowed her. And, and and when we say we're not saying Bush really here, because certainly Bush doesn't make these policies, but Rove. Uh, Bush's brain, as he is called, and uh, the other policymakers seem to have uh, a serious problem with actually just um, Bush speaking to this woman, uh, which on the surface anyway would seem to have been the best thing that they could have done, but um, it seems that they, they simply can't bring themselves to actually to, to do this because probably in their minds it would be some kind of an admission of guilt and they're maybe choosing the lesser of two evils in this situation. There's speculation on the internet that Bush is medicated, that he's been put on antidepressants. They talk about his erratic behavior. He goes out of control and he starts screaming at his uh, subordinates and swearing at them. So it's hard to know whether these are, are really true, but it would certainly fit the personality profile of a reformed dry drunk who... Uh, well, that's kind of shocking then because, you know, what what that suggests is that Bush, that his his policymakers and the people who really pull his strings and tell him what to say can't actually trust him to simply speak to this woman and say the right things on his own. Yeah, that would make sense, that he's a loose cannon, and so they have to keep him sequestered on the the farm or on the ranch, or they have to keep him in front of uh, especially selected audiences where no one will say anything uh, hostile to him. Uh, which brings up the recent speech he did before the Veterans of Foreign War, where there were photos that were circulating of vets wearing uh, cardboard covers over their ears that said bullshit deflectors on them. And apparently Bush was absolutely irate about this and has told the VFW that he will not ever go back and speak to any of them unless they're able to control their members, and it's all about control. Yeah, so you can, we can kind of almost empathize with the problem that these backroom boys in the U.S. government have uh, to, to to deal with, uh, with, this, with this president that they have to try and present him as, uh, as a competent and a coherent uh, president, uh, as, as many Americans expect him, the commander-in-chief, the leader of the nation, the guy who has the hotline and, and takes all the decisions, when, when he is... He's believing the script. Yeah, but he's utterly incompetent. So what do they do? I mean, they have to really... They're walking a really f- kind of fine line there between, uh, between continuing with this, with this charade of him as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a coherent uh, president, and, but at the same time not pushing it so far that they, they end up exposing him for the for the cretin that he really is. So he could end up being the wild card that brings down the entire structure. Or exposes the man behind the curtain. Exposes the man behind the curtain, yeah. 
And if the man behind the curtain get exposed, then the best laid plans of mice and conspirators uh, get brought to light. And one thing, when you look over what's going on and the similarities with with the month before 9-11, is it really looks as if the scenario is planned. It appears that there's a, a multi-stepped scenario to bring the United States to the boiling point and have the two sides confronting one another so that uh, martial law can be de- declared so that a fascist state can be more openly implemented. In thinking about this, some of the, the steps that we've noticed you know, it, it appears to have begun back in the 80s under the Reagan administration where you had many of the same people in power. Of course, uh, George W.'s father was the vice president. Cheney had an important role. Rumsfeld had an important role in the Reagan administration. And it was back then, at the same time as we were hearing about the Russians and sort of the Soviet Union as the evil empire, that we were also hearing about terrorism. The emphasis was on terrorism was being uh, very pronounced for the first time. So establishing terrorism as the main enemy seems to have been the policy brought down back 20 years ago. Uh, After that, we get uh, the events of 9-11, which were like an electroshock to the American public to galvanize the population into a completely irrational hatred of Muslims and Arabs and other people from the Middle East, Central Asia, Asia. And we've seen in the last few years how that's gone. After that, the continued emphasis on the great threat to the continental U.S. itself from these people, which is so outlandish that it's hard to imagine it's been as successful as it's been. Yeah, I mean, that uh, that idea really goes to, to the heart of the, of the matter, because really what we're talking about here is the entire terrorist threat that has been promulgated um, in the news um, for the past four or five, well, really six, seven, eight, nine, nine years. We're talking about going back to the uh, the original um, the original World Trade Center bombing in '93, and then after that, various embassy bombings and the bombing of the USS Cole, all supposedly done by by Al Qaeda, by this Arab or Muslim uh, terror threat. We really need to get back to the beginning here and ask the question as to whether this terror threat is actually real or not. I mean, what are its foundations? Is there any rationale or is there any um, logic that would support the idea of a, of a terror threat as it's being presented uh, or of an Arab terror threat or a Muslim terror threat as it's being presented by the American government, the British government, the Israeli government? It's hard to imagine when you see that the defense budget of the United States is larger than the next 10 or 12 countries combined. It is so unimaginably large that that it's hard to imagine anyone being able to successfully conquer the yeah. United States. Yeah, I mean, one way to actually try and assess whether this, there's any truth behind the, this, this terror threat or um, as, as it's been promoted, the Islamic terror threat, is to look at other so-called terrorist uh, organizations, and, and by this we mean... Uh, real terrorist in, in, in quote uh, organizations that 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 have existed over the past few decades, you know. I mean, like the CIA and. Uh... <laughs> no, not not. Yeah, I mean, not real in those terms. They're the real ones, but I mean, uh, let's call them freedom fighters then, for want of a better word, because that would probably uh, fit better with our definition of them. But what we notice about such groups that have existed is that not one of them have ever in the history of their of their activities have ever been able to carry out an attack uh, of the complexity of 911 
Um, I mean, I would kind of defy anyone to to show uh, evidence or, or, or cite me an example of, of any uh, terrorist or freedom fighters, grassroots organization that has sprung up in the past 100 years that was able to orchestrate and carry out an attack in all the complexity that, 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 that 9-11 involved. Um, on a nation like the U.S. or any other uh, any other major nation state, um, there simply hasn't been any. So, so that's the first point to be considered in terms of um, looking at the reality or otherwise of, of this of, of Al Qaeda or, or the, the the terror threat, the Islamic terror threat. The other thing we notice about these real uh, bona fide uh, terrorist or, or freedom fighter groups is that they they all enjoyed. Um, or they all sprang up from from a from a grassroots uh, level in terms of the fact that they had uh, sometimes very wide popular support among the, among the population of the country from which they operated, or indeed from other countries around the world. They were being told that in Iraq, U.S. forces are fighting terrorists, but we'd like our American listeners to sit down and imagine how they would feel if. Saddam had actually invaded the United States or whether it was China or whether it was any other country, if there were foreign troops on your soil, what would you do? And if you were fighting for your families and your homes and your way of life, would you be a freedom fighter fighting for your own freedoms or would you be a terrorist fighting against supposedly democracy and liberty that was being imposed upon you by a massive army from overseas? It seems kind of simple. You'd think that that this would be something that that anybody would be able to grasp, but the brainwashing of the American public through films, through TV, through their their whole educational system is such that for many Americans, they're incapable of imagining that their country could do anything wrong. At this stage, there have been three terror attacks that have defined uh, the Islamic terror threat as, as, as posed by, or as we are as we are told, as posed by Al Qaeda, and they are obviously 9/11, the Madrid bombing in March of 2004, and the London bombings in July of 2005. The one common factor among uh, among those three attacks were that the, these Islamic terrorists attacked and killed innocent, mainly innocent uh, civilians who arguably had nothing to do with um, the, the governments or the policies of, of, the go- of their governments. So the question has to be asked, why, what is the rationale or why would Al-Qaeda seek to attack um, ordinary, po- ordinary people or the, the, the ordinary population of these countries? Because this, the, this idea of attacking ordinary people is completely incompatible with what we know of real uh, freedom fighters or real uh, terror groups that have existed uh, over, the, over the decades. Um, because these people, almost by their these, these organisations, almost by their very definition, were aware of the nature of of nation states. Because generally they were fighting against some kind of oppression uh, by by the nation states in, in which they lived or in, in which they were formed. So they understood very well that um, that these nation states and the people that that populated them and the military that 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 supported them um, cared very little for for the ordinary people. So the idea of uh, any of these organizations going and killing ordinary people in any in any country that they had a problem with certainly wouldn't uh, they, they would have understood this and they did understand that this would not have uh, furthered their aims or furthered their, their their goals in any way. So so these groups understood that ordinary people were not the enemy. 
and they certainly also understood that by attacking and killing ordinary people in these countries that they were, to a large extent, shooting themselves in, 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 in the foot because they this was not a way, certainly, to uh, bring the, the, the public's attention to the, the, the oppression that, that they were fighting against. That is not to say that ordinary civilians were not, or, or innocent civilians were not killed in these conflicts, but by and large... Um, they weren't the main target. Well, not even that, but um, certainly, yeah, certainly they, weren't, they weren't the main target. But but whenever there were uh, kind of atrocities where innocent civilians were killed, it was generally uh, because the government itself that, that, that these groups were fighting against had organized some kind of a, a counter-terrorist um, organization or a, a, a paramilitary organization to essentially to, to fight against these freedom fighters or these terrorists. Um, obviously, this was done in a covert way and... Um, and their agenda was to essentially distract uh, the attention or to certainly distract the, the, the point and distract the public's attention from the real goals of these freedom fighters and to muddy the water and to involve them in a conflict that, that was essentially unwinnable uh, or, or an ethnic conflict or a civil conflict which took the attention away from uh, the government themselves. So basically what we're saying here is that Al-Qaeda has, because of their actions and by the nature of their actions in killing innocent civilians, have shown themselves to be of a different nature than those groups that we know to be real freedom fighters. Of course, this then brings up the argument, or it can be responded to, but with the argument that these Islamic terrorists are simply um, crazy, that they don't really know what they're doing, that they're just complete. They're somehow less than human and they're willing to take innocent lives because they don't value human life. Yeah, that their battle is against human life. And we've heard that from the Bush, Bush uh, government recently yes, where, they, where, where they talk about that it's, 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 not, it's not a war on terror anymore. It's a war on civilization and freedom-loving people. And almost like it's a war that these Islamic terrorists are fighting a war against humanity, that they want to kill everybody, you know what I mean? Freedom. They want to they try and destroy a concept of freedom. Well, at that point, it gets into a completely irrational demonization, which we know has been going on for many years, of the enemy. But even even at that, uh, because some people would certainly suggest that that is the case, that these people are just completely crazy and that there's no way to budget, there's no way to deal with them, there's no way to budget for their um, for their actions or to, 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 to find a way to, to, to resolve the conflict. But that idea that these Islamic terrorists are completely crazy stands in stark contrast to the obvious lucidity and intelligence uh, which they employ in, in, in carrying out the attacks that they carry out. Because you would think that if someone was just completely off the wall crazy and wanted to destroy freedom, such a, like had this idea that they could actually you know, wipe out freedom, which is, which is such a ridiculous notion, that they would never be able to carry out any kind of a, an attack or, or a successful attack against, certainly not against a, a na- the apparatus or the intelligence and, and military apparatus of a, of a nation state like, like America or the UK or, or even Spain. Um, which brings up a second point of what is kind of a signature of these major Al-Qaeda operations, so-called Al-Qaeda operations, 9-11, Madrid and London, which is the simultaneous bombing of several places. And we'll return to this idea later on when we discuss the final point of this plan that we are, we are talking about, that we see being fulfilled. Getting back to that plan, the second point was to make the population believe that there was an immediate threat to the continental United States, make Americans think that there were sleeper terrorist cells in every city, 
make Americans think that anyone could be a potential terrorist. Once that's done, of course, you'll then have the lucid people who are able to look at this and say, well, this is completely crazy. They'll remember that this was the same strategy that was used against communism back in the 50s and 60s when we were told that there were communists under everybody's bed. And so to counter that, there has to be a campaign against these lucid thinking people. Then they are portrayed as lackeys and patsies of the enemy. They will be portrayed as do-gooders who don't really understand the real world and that the enemy will stop at nothing to conquer us. And the argument then goes that because this is the way the real world works, this is the way we ourselves have to operate. We have to, on some level, descend to these kind of tactics ourselves in order to protect ourselves. We see this campaign in the rhetoric of the right-wing pundits who talk about uh, how dissenters are aiding and abetting the enemy. This is some of the rhetoric that's being directed now against Cindy Sheehan, and this is building up. But now it appears that the rhetoric is passing over into action. An example of this is the article that we ran on Friday, August 26th, about a California couple that had been harassed because because John Loftus, who has a show on Fox News, gave out the address of somebody that he thinks is a terrorist. First thing is, this is an incitement to vigilante action. If there is, in fact, a terrorist, it's the police who are going to deal with it. It's not the citizenry who shall go out uh, like a Frankenstein movie with their pitchforks and their flaming torches to chase the monster terrorist up to the uh, mill on the top of the hill. There are legal facilities, legal procedures in place to deal with this, and it is for those legal, if we want to live in within the rule of law, it is for these forces to go and deal with it. But the problem was the so-called terrorist, who the FBI says is not suspected of any terrorist acts, but the guy who is being accused of all of this had left the house three years before, and it's an innocent family who is living in this house who are now being subjected to the taunts, insults, and harassment of their neighbors to the point where a police car has to be stationed in front of their house 24 hours a day. One of the things that was done was that somebody spray-painted the word terrorist on their house, only they spelled it terrorist, T-E-R-R-I-S-T. So we're looking at kind of the, the intellectual level of the kind of people that this rhetoric and propaganda appeals to. They're people that can't even spell and if there's a word that they should be able to spell, after all the times it has been drummed into their minds for the last four years, you'd think it'd be the word terrorist. The next stage in what we see as, as this planned stepping up of the pressure, because with all of this, you see that there's pressure going on. You're, you're getting the American population polarized. They're working on anger. The people who are against Bush are frustrated because he is not listening they know he will not listen, and they know that there is very little that they can do other than take to the streets and to call him on his lies. The people who are supporting Bush are more and more moving inward into their their little fantasy world of the Arab terrorists getting off and, and, and blowing up their local McDonald's. 
So, so there's some pressure that is being increased on the American population. But it's it's uh, it's interesting because that really what what we're seeing in in that in those procedures is the playing out of some very standard operating uh, procedures or practices that have that governments have resorted to many many times over the over the decades. Uh, getting back to to what I was saying about um, about real freedom fighters, real 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 uh, real terrorist in quote groups. Um, the policy of governments uh, to counteract that threat, because just just to repeat that th- these these groups generally had uh, a cause that was t- to a large extent understandable and reasonable, and with which a lot of people could identify. A lot of a lot of the ordinary population could identify. Now that posed obviously a very serious threat to the government. So when you've got a government who has done something wrong and and and, and is in danger of being exposed for for doing something or for committing some crime. And you have a, then a group that is uh, rising up, whether it be a, a paramilitary group or just an ordinary citizens group that is dedicated to exposing the crime of the government. Uh, the government has to do something. And the best thing that has worked time and time again uh, over, over the years is for the government to essentially divert attention away from their crimes by fomenting uh, conflict and strife among the population. This is what led governments to to decide um, to actively promote and fund counter-terror, counter-revolutionary groups that would then fight, and they would generally be from the other side of the community, because generally these kind of groups rose up in societies that were divided along ethnic or social or political lines. So the policy of the government was to incite conflict between the various groups in society uh, and thereby divert attention away from themselves, which is what we may be seeing happening in the U.S. with uh, with this obvious incitement to, to violence by the Fox Fox News presenter, um, where he was encouraging, albeit very subtly and surreptitiously, encouraging those people who are less thinking, shall we say, in the US, or less capable of thinking clearly, to to go and uh, attack essentially what was another another US citizen. It also plays into the Cindy Sheehan thing and and, and the different camps there, the pro and anti-war uh, camps in the US. We saw the same thing recently at the American Legion. Congress that was held in uh, in Honolulu, where during the speech, the national commander of the American Legion said, the American Legion will stand against anyone in any group that will demoralize our troops or worse, endanger their lives by encouraging terrorists to continue their cowardly attacks against freedom-loving peoples. He went on to say, it would be tragic if the freedoms our veterans fought so valiantly to protect would be used against their successors today as they battle terrorists bent on our destruction. So what he's saying there is that it would be terrible if the freedoms that previous American soldiers had fought to protect would actually be used to express dissent. Okay, we have to leave open the, the possibility, at least, that, that he is or he is being inspired by what we have talked about in the past as uh, what we have named in the past as, as or what is commonly known as COINTELPRO, where you have government agents who will infiltrate uh, or who will arrive at certain demonstrations uh, and, and will put up this phony front of an opposition. Uh, but the important point is that it's presented as a, as a, a, a civilian opposition, as a public opposition. It's not this is, they hide the fact that they're actually government agents and present themselves as ordinary citizens. Uh, and, and again, it just serves the purpose of, of muddying the waters and fomenting civil strife to distract away from the real enemy here, which is obviously the government. 
that's kind of an interesting statement because, I mean, maybe we should write a letter to the White House then because if all these soldiers died in the past to defend freedom and that, you know, that freedom shouldn't be used to be free, well, then the terrorists have already won, so then we could just stop the war on terror, right? Well, yeah, but there never, never has been any logic for anybody who really thinks like, you know, one level below the surface of any of this that's been said there about the war on terror and about Bush's and, and other members of his administration's rhetoric about the war on terror and that they're defending freedom. And none of it makes any sense because we see very clearly that the, that the Bush administration is actually doing what they claim the terrorists are doing, which is they're removing social freedoms. Uh, they're clamping down on, 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 on liberties and freedom of movement, freedom of speech, and all these freedoms that they claim that they are defending, they're actually destroying them. We'll post the second part of this discussion a little later on in the week, and we'll leave you with another song. This one was sent to us this week by a good friend from Canada. You can feel the Canadian prairies in it. It's called Signs of the Times. It's by Relic.
so many things somehow it's all connected reality waves change our DNA somehow it's all connected The world is burning All around the tides The tides are turning The tides are turning The world is burning. The tides are turning. Signs of the tide. The world is burning. These are the signs of the tide.